You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're here today with Teresa, and I have a guest with us, uh, Debbie Plotnick. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Hi, Debbie. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about connecting through nature for our mental health. Debbie, do you want to share with our listeners just a little bit about you, who you are? Sure. Well, Teresa knows who I am because I'm Teresa's colleague. I I do work at Mental Health America, the best place in the world to be. I'm executive vice president for state and federal advocacy. But really, I'm a nature person at heart. I grew up with woods surrounding me, and I always have to have my nature. I'm looking forward to talking about that. That's awesome. I just, okay, so I'm a city person, right? I've grown up my whole life in the city, but I do like nature. And I'm not in a I have to convince myself way, but I didn't go around like having a lot of access. And I remember the first time I grew up in Los Angeles and I I remember the first time I finally took a trip somewhere where there was green. And I think I remember going to North Carolina and coming out of the airport and be like, oh my gosh, it is so green here. And just being like shocked almost by what I what I realized at that moment I didn't have access to in my life when it when it came to nature. But you grow you grew up in nature your whole life, Debbie. Well, I did, but I grew up in Philadelphia, so I too am a city person. However, I am very very lucky about the city of Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia has the one of the largest inland parks anywhere in the world, Fairmount Park. And I grew up in one of its um, subsidiary areas with Pennypack Park, one of the pieces of Fairmount Park right behind where I lived. And as a kid, I mean, I could always see the trees. I mean, I wasn't, I couldn't see it from my house, but a few blocks away, I'd go and hang out in the park and go and walk through the park and go hanging out in the creek and go hiking. And that was really um, how I spent a lot of my youth. And then I lived other places in the city. And because the park runs through the entirety of the city, It's hard to be away from green in Philadelphia. Even in downtown Philadelphia, even in Center City, as we call it, there's parks all over. There's squares that are, you know, city parks, and there's city parks in every neighborhood. And then when um, I got married and I moved to the suburbs, and I did um, live in the suburbs for 30 years, I lived in a community that was all wooded. I lived, in fact, the the street that I lived on was called Woods Road. And so I lived in the woods and it really made me happy. I love it. And now I live in high desert, but again, different kind of nature. Yeah. One thing I think is really interesting is at least thinking about my connection to mental health and nature it's so interesting because I mean, I'm not a person that will say I like I do enjoy camping, but I enjoy I enjoy the people and camping. And so camping gives me a space to 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 disconnect from technology and to be connected to nature. That's one of the ways I enjoy it. But when I was also thinking about my mental health and nature, that's a different relationship. 
So when you think about how you connect with nature, like what does that even mean for you? Well, when I was a teenager, and like all teenagers, you know, full of teenage angst, and oh, I had perhaps more than most others, um, I would go to the park and be in the park and hang out in the trees and and be with you know within surrounded by trees really, really important part of my mental health. Um, and it still is. I mean, no matter where I live, um, I always have to have nature. And um, I had the the great experience when I was first married to travel all across the country in a car and camp and um, be in amazing places. And it was the kind of thing that really filled me on with awe and with excitement. This is an amazing country. I mean, like no matter where you live and it's so varied. And my two favorite states in the entire country were in order, Utah and Colorado. And Utah, because of its incredible natural landscapes that are unlike anything else, except maybe the Grand Canyon, which is just mind blowing. Um, but you know the the different pieces of it. Um, I remember thinking driving into Salt Lake City. Wow, if I were going to be leading my band of followers somewhere, you know, sacred and special, it would be Salt Lake City between the mountains and the great beauty there. And then there's the salt flats, and then you have Zion and Bryce and the magnificent colors, you know. And then moving into Colorado with the amazing green and the four corners region. And I think at that point, I probably fell in love with the West, you know, which is pretty amazing for somebody from Philadelphia, very much a city person. Um, And then my daughter went to college in Washington State, uh, in Olympia, Washington at Evergreen State College. They don't call it Evergreen for nothing. It's right next to the Olympic National Forest. And I understand why she felt so comfortable there. And I loved going out and visiting. And I just had the opportunity to be out um, for an MHA event at the state capitol. And I remember, you know, just that wonderful feeling of being on the Olympic Peninsula and, and how beautiful it really is. I know being able to just go out and be in trees and touch grass, you know, it really does help us a lot enormously. But what you talk about in that moment where you, when you step into something grand that nature offers, you know, like what it looks like to look at a mountain and feel small in a big place. And that feeling of awe that we talk about to feel inspired by nature, because I feel like nature can inspire us in ways that we as humans, what's the equivalent, right, that that we we grasp to in, in that space. And so it doesn't happen often because so many of us live in in spaces where we can't have access to that. But when you do, it's just, it really kind of hits you. Yeah, but I think we all have access to it, um, Teresa. And even in the urban places, if you just stop and you listen for the birds and you watch the critters. You think it's the same though? Okay. Because okay. I do because <laughs> remember, I'm I grew up in the city. Yes, I hung out in the park and by the trees. 
But I worked in downtown Philadelphia and I just love the birds. And I, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm not crazy about critters like roaches. They're not my favorite. I, I'm also not super big on the rats, although they, they can be cute if from afar. But I, I love the critters. And no matter where I live, you know, going around the country and looking at how the critters are different in different parts of the country. And yeah. Um, you know, like the squirrels are different in different places. Yeah. Like in Princeton, New Jersey, right? Which Princeton's very green. New Jersey's a very green state. You know, they call it the garden state. It rains a lot. They grow a lot of stuff in Princeton. But they have in Princeton these black squirrels. They're really black. Like, you know, they're beautiful. Not, they're not gray. They're not red. They're black. And last week, I was in Evergreen, Colorado. And in Evergreen, I saw these fascinating squirrels that look like a cross between a big squirrel and a rabbit. Yeah. They have like these big ears. They're called um, Abert Squirrel or something like that. I had to look them up. They're like so- Just native? These yeah. are their native well, squirrels? They live in high, they live in Ponderosa forests. And so to okay. me, it's fascinating. And the same thing with the birds. So when I was a kid in Philly, you know, I used to look at the birds and look at all the different kinds of birds. And then I lived in Alexandria, Virginia, and I fed the birds. And boy, I love those birds. I, I mean, I could tell, you know, the pairs that would come every year and, um, you know, hear their songs and watch them do their dances. If you've never seen a cardinal do a mating dance, it's really something. I mean, they just, boy, does he put on a show. Um, and, and now that I live here in Colorado, we have completely different kinds of birds. And of course, I feed them. Um, I'm especially fond of the tanagers, the Western tanagers. And they're distantly related to the cardinals, but they're yellow. And the boys, of course, the boys are always prettier. They have red heads, but they're bright yellow. They're really beautiful. And I just, I love the different kinds of woodpeckers you find in different places in the country. And so that they're all like birds, but they're different. And to me, it's it's charming. I'm really enchanted. I love the critters. Um, I love the the um, chipmunks. So chipmunks don't yeah. live everywhere, but they do live in a lot of places and they're totally adorable. Uh, <laughs> I, so I feed the birds and the birds drop the bird seed yeah. and then the chipmunks come and they pick up the bird seeds that they drop. That's why I call them the cleanup crew. And they're really enchanting. I, I hear passion in your voice, you know, like very much clearly we've hit a nerve. Well, <laughs> I, I like the critters, like, you know. I could tell just from talking to you, I know what you sound like as your coworker when you get into something passionate about mental health. And I, I honestly think that you could have lived another very happy life being a park ranger or something. <laughs> Being in you know, the work that we do is so hard. We deal with things that can break your heart, that breaks our hearts, that touch our most difficult things and touch other people's most difficult pain. And we try to make the world a better place. Um, you and I are both trained social workers, and that's clearly what social workers work to do. Um, and coming back into nature is what, it's not just good for my mental health, it's what preserves my mental health. Let's switch to mental health. Because I mean, 
I think what I hear in your voice, um, and it's just someone who struggles with depression is hard. I've spoken about this, that practicing gratitude, especially in moments where I'm I'm in an episode is, is very difficult for me. And I know that nature is also very good for my mental health. So when I get into a really difficult spot, I know you're not getting outside, you're not getting out of bed. I'll take small steps. I'll sit outside and look at the sun for 15 minutes, not directly at the sun, but, you know, allow sunlight to, to go into my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, and this is like, it's like all I can do, but I, I I've learned as I've gotten older, how important that is. And then slowly I do notice over time that I do start to feel better. And then I'll notice the birds and then the color starts to change a little bit more. And suddenly things look brighter and not so gray, et cetera, et cetera. But is that different for someone who just absorbs it all? <laughs> like, well, remember, I you're too in am that a depressive, space, you know, it just I too am a depressive person. You know, as we talk about all the time at Mental Health America, nobody does what we do if when it's not personal. It's always personal. And I think you hit on something really important, and that is sunshine. I know that, you know, for all the years I lived in Philadelphia, we had just months and months of gray, of damp and cold, and gray, and boy, I mean, I could tell you, my friends, my colleagues all knew in January, when I started cleaning up my office and everything was spotless and neat, worry about me. Because when I'm depressed, I can't do anything except the appearance of looking okay. I, by nature, I uh, it, I mean, you know what my desk looked like at the office. It was always a mess. That's, that's how I function. But when it gets neat, worry about me. And it would always be in January when it was cold and gray and awful. And then it would go on for months. And so one of the things that I'm happy that I was able to do for my mental health was move to where it's sunny most of the time. Um, it's beautiful and it's sunny. And to me, I have to have that openness and that sunshine because sunshine is something that really helps lift our mood in big and important ways. I mean, it does good things to like setting our sleep cycles and helping us sleep, which we do either too much or not enough when we're really depressed and getting out in that sunshine. I know that even, you know, the work that we do, it's so hard and, and I, I'm not complaining about that, that we have so much going on that some days I don't go outside at all until the end of the day. But I found a way to compensate for that too and get out in nature. And yes, I'm very lucky and privileged and I own that. And that for me, one of the things that is not a luxury, but is really an important quality of life issue for me is a hot tub. And I have um, Raynaud's syndrome and my fingers and toes are always cold in the winter. And getting warm before I go to sleep makes a huge difference. But now that I live in a dark sky community, I go out every night and sit in the stars and the starlight. It's not the same as the light, uh, but boy, is it fabulous. That is so amazing. I mean, I, I, love I do love stargazing. Yep. It's the I, best. I am 100% with you. That's another time when I definitely look up and you're like, okay, whatever is happening in your life, like in the scheme of the universe, things feel very big. And sometimes that helps to put things into perspective as well. You know, 
if you were talking to somebody as someone who is a nature lover and you see that value, we hear from people in our network that one of the hardest things, uh, you know, we talked about when you're depressed and yes, we don't have the motivation. Sometimes we don't have the access. That's a privilege issue to the grand side of nature, right? But hopefully someone does in, in some way, some capacity, sometime in their life can control from that memory. But we often do also hear that the other side of the coin when it comes to mental health is that people say like, I don't really want to do it by myself. I don't know what to do. I feel alone in this space. Besides feeling time constraint, which we all feel, the 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 next biggest thing that people have when they that that's a barrier for their nature experience is just not having somebody to do it with. And that can be difficult, but getting out into nature, you'll find other nature lovers. So even in a city, there are places with some ponds or some reservoirs or something. For me, another important piece is water, um, or as we say from Philadelphia, wooder. Um, I, I can always be pegged for my place of origin with my Philly accent. That being around water is really quite wonderful. Even if it's a man, man-made um, lake, pond, drainage, you know, whatever, can be really nice because the creatures do hang out there, the birds and the other creatures as well. And so do people. So just being there could be nice. I also happen to be a fan. I know that they're sometimes looked down upon for many important reasons, but I actually like the zoo and the petting zoos and the places where you can go and see the animals. Yeah. And, and you know, part of that is um, I appreciate the fact that they help endangered species not be so endangered by breeding programs after, you know, undoing some damage. I appreciate that. But I also appreciate how fabulous the animals are. And other people are there too. Yeah. So just going there and watching the critters, watching them romp. I mean, I remember when when my youngest child was a toddler and his two older siblings had um, summer courses and things that were in really in a place where it was very um, concrete jungle. But I used to take him to hang out rather than driving back and forth a long ways. Take him to hang out to the zoo every day for weeks and weeks and weeks. We'd go to the zoo every single day. And every day it was different and interesting and fun because you never know what the critters are going to do. They're always doing different things. Yeah. So people are there, you know, and if even if you don't want to talk to other people, the critters are good company. <laughs> totally. Well, you know, it's funny because when I think about, <laughs> I don't know, also periods of my life where I've been isolated you know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, you know, I'm unmotivated to move. But then I've also somehow convinced myself that isolation and loneliness is like the best path forward. <laughs> and what you're saying, though, that I really appreciate is that I always worry. I mean, when I had social anxiety, and I did not like to be alone. And this is part of the problem, right? Like I found it more comfortable to just stay alone by myself in my house because going outside was uncomfortable and being by myself outside was uncomfortable. But people would talk about going outside. And now that I feel less fearful and what I hear in your voice, it's it's that I don't think anybody else thinks it's weird. If you go to a park and sit at a bench and 
just watch the ducks or something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think anybody would think that that was weird. And there are a lot of people out there doing something similar to that, or even just taking a walk. So, like, if you are a soul walker, you know, it at least nobody is thinking that you're weird to do it. Now, it's not necessarily social. And and that's kind of where you're saying, you know, allow yourself to be communicating with the critters or yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. doing that too. It's it's true. If there was anything where being alone and doing something is a little less strange, you know, as compared to sitting in a restaurant, for example, you know, I do I do think nature offers us a lot of opportunity where people are doing that by themselves. Even taking I'm a resistant walk. to the idea, but it's a good point. Yeah, you're gonna walk <laughs> by yourself, you know, around neighborhoods. So, you know, neighborhoods, even ones that are very full of concrete people will bring plants outside. Many, many cities have trees, you know, planted along the curb or built into the sidewalks. Um, People plant bushes and things like that. And I love walking around even by myself. And the, the cool thing that's good for your mental health is to do it consistently and watch the changes. So right now it's spring. The lilacs are blooming. Well, you know me, Teresa, I love purple. So I'm really attracted to the lilacs and the wisteria and, you know, all those beautiful purple and the irises, all those beautiful purple things that come up this time of year. And, you know, other people are attracted to other colors like yellow. And, you know, you get a little earlier, you get those beautiful daffodils and you start to get the beautiful yellow flowers. So, you know, the things that appeal to you, that that touch you in ways that we don't even think about how we really like the things. And, you know, it always smells different too. I mean, yes, cities can be yucky, but walk by those lilac bushes or, you know, in next month in June when the roses are in bloom and you can smell, I mean, literally smell the roses. I know that's cliche, but when you go by them, I mean, they're beautiful colors and they smell nice. And then you see them change. And then, um, you know, I know in different parts of the country, there's changes that happen in the fall that are really cool to watch, you know, with the beautiful color changes in the East Coast. But even where I live now, where we don't get color changes per se, I just like watching, you know, the, whatever they are, the, the more subtle changes that happen as as things get dry and they get more brown and the greens get less vivid. There's there's really beauty in that too. And the watching the cycles. Um, and that's one of the things that even getting out by yourself, you can really appreciate just those those cycles. It's very true. And being at- paying attention to the changes that you do see and the smells, it reminds me that grounding is a is a mental health activity. So if people don't know what grounding is, basically when you don't feel like your brain is part of this earth, your your anxiety is taking you somewhere else. You know, we talk to people about bringing yourself back here. And so I do find when I go out and I walk around, it, one way to cope with being alone is that sometimes I daydream. So then you're kind of disconnecting from where you are in the present moment. But I will catch myself like walking by an orange tree if it's blossoming and smelling orange blossoms mm-hmm. and just being like, oh, and it, and it brings you back here in this moment. 
And that's a practice that we have to do, right? Basically to not be so checked out of life all the time. But that is what nature offers us, you know, that opportunity to be immersive, I think, in all of your senses and sight and sound and smell. And if you're eating fruit, then taste at the same time or even what the smell tastes like, what grass smells is really unique. Like you can't, what, where else can we be immersed in, in all those ways, right? I think is a really interesting question. So we spanned a lot of different experiences here. Is there anything else <laughs> that just on your mind about the importance for you about nature and mental health that you'd love to tell people who are listening to us today? Sure. I think it's something that's accessible to all of us. And I'll tell you a little mental health story. So I, um, you know, you and I both do this all the time. We get interviewed and I, I, I had an interview that was published in the Washington Post, but it was syndicated in different parts of the country. And I had a lady write me a nasty email and tell me when I was talking about how wonderful nature is, she said she was from Philadelphia and she, and what about people in cities who don't have access? And I wrote her back a nice note and said, Hey, I'm from Philly. That's where I learned to love it. And that's the thing that I think that we can, no matter where we're from, it's there. Like you said, there are orange trees in California and they bloom. I I lived in California for a while and I remember the loquat trees were some of my favorites, Um, you know, and then there are trees that don't smell so good, like those ginkgos. Oh my gosh. But, (laughs) you know, that's part of the fun part of the nature is, is all those trees. And I talk about one of my favorite smells. Okay. So here's a really weird one. So people who are from Philadelphia or from that region can, can identify with this, but all over the East coast, honeysuckle grows and honeysuckle has the most wonderful, sweet, intoxicating smell. But where I lived in Philadelphia, coming off a big highway, a big, nothing but concrete highway, you would come off and there would be this little sort of wild patch of stuff where honeysuckle would grow and it would right down the road was the Nabisco cookie factory. And I got to tell you, the best combination in the whole world is honeysuckle and graham crackers that are just being put <laughs> the air. So it's, it's about awesome. the paying attention to the what's around you, both the things that are yucky, like ginkgos, you know, or, or garbage, but there's all the other wonderful combinations and the sounds and the and the sights and and watching the changes i think that that's that we all no matter where we live no matter what we you know when we're starting out if we if we're if we're living in an area that feels like you know people call different things deserts you know whether it's a concrete desert where there's not a lot of nature or it's an actual desert there's so much going on and just Every day getting out a little bit will help you see it. Even if in the beginning you're not paying attention, something's going to come along, whether it's a smell or a sound and, and get grab your attention. And that really, it does so much for our mental health. I think that's really what I'm taking away from here, you know, because I, I'm, I'm with that lady in some ways. When you think about nature, it's like, well, when did, when can I go camping or how am I supposed to do that? Or like, yeah, I live in a city. Like I'm literally looking at a street parking lot, you know, <laughs> Next mm-hmm. to, or, mm-hmm. you know, I think nature offers you the opportunity to do a practice that's very hard when we struggle with mental health issues. And that's being present 
yeah in this moment which is what you're saying and and it reminds you through sights and through sound to to wake up you know like the birds are calling you saying yeah. look at me like we're here and i have to remember when i'm healthy like hey remember that nature is trying to teach you this lesson to pay attention to step outside of your brain and to to practice this thing, you know, this awareness that just helps me better attune to my brain and my needs. Yeah. Okay, Debbie. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> you know, I have a suggestion too for folks who are who are helping friends who might be depressed. You know, literally bring them a plant, bring them flowers. Or ask them to go on a walk with you. Totally. Like when I'm in a hard spot, totally. I won't do something for myself. But if my friend says, I need you to walk with me every Tuesday and Thursday. It's not the best. Like I'm always tearing up, you know, because I'm like, that really gets me going. It's for me, that's, it's the combo. Yeah. I'm doing something with somebody and yeah. I'm. Then I can be in a space and then over time, open my eyes, take in the smell and the sounds, yeah. and it's, it's a huge gift. Yeah, it is. Even walking silently with your friends is good, too. Totally. Yeah. Well, Teresa, next week, next month, when we're in the same place, at the same time, we'll go for a walk. Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> well, and we always end with just telling everybody to keep on fighting in the open. Absolutely. And I just want to thank you so much, Debbie, for being here with us. My pleasure. Yep. Let's keep fighting in the open, everybody. <laughs>